podcast has bad words. <laughs> Hello, patrons. I'm here with Adam Lamb from uh, RenewLifeRx.com. Also, from Rebecca Shern from my house. <laughs> <laughs> also, MinimalWellness.com. Uh, yeah, our house. Thank you. Uh, we're going to talk about being moody today. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we're going to answer a bunch of surprise questions as well. But first, uh, we do this little segment called More About Less. Uh, today's article is from the uh, from uh, organ called Medical News Today. And I, I just found this fascinating, Adam, because uh, it's called What to Know About Hormonal Imbalances. Bex, if you turn to the second page, I think it is, third page, why don't you read any of the ones that stand out? So this is a list, Symptoms Associated with the More Common Causes of hormone hormonal imbalances include unexplained weight gain or loss excessive sweating difficulty sleeping very dry skin sensitivity to cold or heat changes in heart rate irritability and anxiety unexplained (laughs) fatigue depression headaches reduced sex drive infertility etc etc Blurred vision, a bulge in the neck, uh, breast tenderness, uh, deepening of the voice in females. And, and so, I don't know, if you look at this list, like, I imagine when people come to you, they, at least two or three of these things pop out every single time, right? Sure. And there's, you know, there's different hormones that aren't quite in our wheelhouse. Or let's say you could have a tumor on your, you know, thyroid gland or something like that, right? Or yeah. on your uh, pituitary, something, some things like that. So there's different. There's different things out there that can cause some of these. You know, you see like blurred vision that made me think of something or a bulge in the neck. Like uh-huh. that could be a, potentially a growth on, you know, like a, on a gland, you know, when you're thyroid gland or uh, thymus. And so, yeah, there's a lot of stuff can be solved with addressing hormones, um, but not all things, right? right? You still got to eat right. You still got to get sleep. You still got you know, to there's drink lots of water. There's, there's a lot of balance that goes into it. But when you're doing all those things and you're like, still not, something's off, right? And, you know, and these are the, the symptoms that some we can find solutions, you know, yeah. through blood tests. Right. So um, I thought, well, go ahead, Bex. I was going to say, if I go down this list as to like what I struggled with this winter, unexplained weight gain, excessive sweating at night. Mm. Difficulty sleeping, so sensitive to cold. That's mm. literally been a lifelong thing. But I've noticed that that's that was way better on the tail end of the winter, and into the spring, after, after. we started doing the testosterone therapy. Um, irritability and anxiety. I don't identify it like that, but changes in heart rate, depression, reduced sex drive. Mm. Thankfully, I'm not trying to get pregnant, so I don't know if I'm infertile. <laughs> but yeah, like it's, there's a lot there. Yeah, yeah, it's quite a bit. Let's go over our, our, our test results here. Bex, you want to start with yours, maybe hand them to Adam, and we could, uh, we could just go through the things that stood out on the before. You're not going to make him try to remember what our, our yeah. test results were? Right. <laughs> I, I do have some somewhat of a decent memory, but I'm probably not that good. So as you look through this, Adam, maybe maybe for the folks who are who are just listening to this, let's talk about you know, some of the things that are on here that we that you tested for, uh, and then some of the things that, that stand out, the things you look at with when you looked at Bax's results and say, okay, maybe there's there's something worth tweaking there. Yeah. So we we do a not just hormone panel, right? right. We do a overall health panel with hormones in it because they're both important, and so. Uh, we can send anyone a list of what we get tested to. Uh, that, that's no issue because we want to make sure you're healthy too, right? Because some of these issues, blurred vision or changes in appetite, you could have another health issue that's not hormone related, right? Mm-hmm. But if we look at both, we'll figure it out. You know what I mean? And so um, some of the main things I think when, if, as far as going in to this for females and on the hormones – uh, we get into you know thyroid stimulating hormone, right? So that's a that's kind of the beginning phase into looking into thyroid. There's there's many different other ways with T3 and T4 and things like that to get tested, but usually we not everybody has a thyroid problem. So we, we want to look and see, and we kind of dig through it methodically. Uh, we look at insulin-like growth factor one, which is a big one for 
how your body's releasing growth hormone, right? And that can lead to how your you know, body composition, hair, skin, nails, sleep, all those kind of things. Um, testosterone, progesterone, DHEA, um, and total estrogens for women. Like that's, that's where we start from a hormone standpoint as far as what we want to look into. Okay. And when, when you saw Bex's results, what, what stood out to you? Yeah, what, based on her lifestyle and what she shared, right? So we do a pretty in-depth questionnaire. We also do a pretty in-depth, almost interview. I, I guess that is probably a pretty clear way to, to, to describe it um, on our onboarding call with the wellness coordinator just to find out what, what's going on. And because specifically with like what Bex has got going on with working out and her history and stuff like that, we looked at her blood work and said, yeah, it's probably equating to the problem, right? Mm -hmm. But another woman may not notice anything right. because of her lifestyle mm -hmm. at the same levels that, that Rebecca's at, right? Yeah. And so that's why it's so important to find out about lifestyle compare and, and kind of put that piece together with the hormones as well now, now her testosterone was i think 16 is that right 18 18 right. and and so that's normal but she's not normal right right, right. and that's a good thing when i said <laughs> <laughs> but she's not normal meaning she's likes to work out she's got you know like it, in all of our lifestyles are different so it's just it's not adding up it's like going to get a job that's not going to cover what you need to live like it just can't add up it might work for someone else but it doesn't work for this individual. The way you explained it to me when we were on our call is like 18 might have been great if I was 10 or 15 years older and just taking walks around the block and gardening and like going and doing my job mm -hmm. and like was still reasonably still eating well but mm -hmm. like still reasonably healthy but like I put a lot more demands on my body and I have like higher expectations of what I want to be doing mm -hmm. and what makes me feel good um, and so that wasn't correlating to the exactly the level well, I was it at. It wasn't is because you know testosterone. One of the things too it does help with from a physical standpoint is recovery, mm -hmm. right? So we think of like athletes and doping and steroids. Like all they're really doing is trying to speed up the recovery process of their workouts. They're not like it doesn't just make muscle appear or things like that. So if you're very active and you're exercising properly and things like that, and you're it's not adding up, it could be that right. Mm -hmm. But your average physician might say well hey why don't you just lay off the gym you're like but it makes me really happy yeah that's how i want to live my that's life actually what my acupuncturist said yeah and it's like, like yeah you need to lay off the workouts i'm like no that's but, not yeah. happening i'm gonna stop coming to, to you <laughs> yeah, yeah. i'm gonna lay off, <laughs> gonna you, lay off right. the acupuncture <laughs> yeah and so so what what happened here bex is uh adam recommended one thing at a time i think it was testosterone cream first, first. yeah, yeah. And, and I, the same thing happened to me, but it was... It was our minimalist approach. There you go. <laughs> Start and then build. Right. And then I think after that, it was uh, DHEA at, at some point. Is that right? Yeah. So, I don't know, two months in probably. Mm -hmm. um, we tapered down the testosterone. Yeah, we and, adjusted the dose. Yep. You're a high absorber, I remember. Yeah. And, then, and that's another thing too with the testosterone cream is that we don't know how well you're going to absorb it, how you're going to respond to it. And that's why... We our wellness coordinators reach out every two weeks to mm -hmm. see, and then we we do things. Hey, try this. Mm -hmm. Let's check back in in a week and so forth, because that's how you really fine tune it, you know. And the sooner you get there, obviously, the better. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I really enjoyed or appreciate that hyper individualized approach, um, and I think it works really well for you guys because you already start out generally with a pool of people who implement lifestyle strategies and mm -hmm. and try to sort of optimize things on their own and are used to that sort of lever pulling and seeing what works and seeing what right. doesn't. Um, so they're not expecting a take this and you're set for the next yeah, 10 it, years. We just we tell people that yeah. I don't know if we're going to be able to, you may not be happy with yeah. us, yeah. right? And so we try to be very transparent up front and that's why we dig into lifestyle stuff so yeah. much. Yeah. Well, my sleep still struggled three or two months in. Right. My sleep was still like iffy. Um, so we backed down on the, t the testosterone a little bit. We cut it in half. Mm -hmm. um, and then we added DHEA. And after the second lab work that we did, um, I think you said my th TSH, my thyroid stimulating hormone, was even higher. And that's not a good thing. <laughs> it, yeah, it went up slightly. Yeah. But I and think, was there issues with weight loss that we were talking about? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, this winter. Right. Yeah, and that hadn't really changed at all. 
and I think with that's the testosterone, why there is a transition of like trying that. And I think that one of the biggest takeaways is saying like, hey, here's an obvious problem. Mm-hmm. Let's start that. Let's get you pretty normalized there, and then we can look at some of these other things that are maybe like tier two, tier three issues. Mm-hmm. And just because if we throw everything at you at once, with men it's a little different, but with women. Like we don't know what's working, what's not working, mm-hmm. right? And then potentially you're creating a, another problem, right? And then right. you gotta undo it all and it just, you know. Yeah, yeah. So we added that in and like, it's helping. It's absolutely helping. Good. Yeah. Now, now where do we go from here? Because you, you have before and after results, you, you've made some tweaks. Um, we're not, I know we're not striving for perfect, but we, we need to get to optimal. The thing that, of all the things you fixed so far, Bex, and, um, the anxiety, the depression, the the mood stuff that was that was hanging around, mm-hmm. uh, that seems to be pretty much taken care of. Yeah. Uh, the the missing component right now is the sleep component, right? <laughs> yes. Now, to be fair, ever since I've known you, sleep has been a problem. Deep sleep, in particular, has been a problem. We both wear aura rings and track mm-hmm. you know, track our sleep, and um, I I sleep considerably less than Bex. Like every morning I'll get up anywhere from 3.30 to 5.30 or 6 usually, and then she'll be in bed for another hour or so a- after me because she needs more time. Now, that part of that is just some of us need more sleep than other people, yeah, right? Yeah, straight up DNA. Yeah, and and the other side, though, is that Bex is a more restless sleeper. Two nights ago, there was a motorcycle that went down the street uh, where we live, and it was the loudest. Mo- it didn't wake me up at all, but... It woke her up. She it started. Ter- it she, scared the shit out of me. It, like it was so loud. Yeah, and so she was. She and she's like cursing at the the motorcycle. <laughs> and so she's more a bit more restless. She doesn't experience as much deep sleep. And so the nice thing is she has done a lot of things to fix her sleep. You want to talk about some of the things you've done before the whole uh, hormonal thing that you've done to to fix your sleep over the last five years? Yeah. So um, I've by and large cut out alcohol. It's a big one. Mm-hmm. Um, she's just by and large, like she may have one drink a quarter. Like, it's, yeah, yeah, it's yeah, functionally exactly. nothing. Alcohol exactly. creates internal anxiety yeah. in our bodies, yeah. especially, you know, we have it before we go to bed to relax. Guess what? It's actually creating s- subtle anxiety. Yeah. 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 So that's basically gone. Uh-huh. Um, uh, like really paid attention to rhythm, uh, circadian rhythm. So mm-hmm. trying to get sunlight, trying not to have tons of lights on in the evening, um, you have the blue blocking glasses. I do. I'm not yeah. super good about wearing them She's all the time. She's pretty good about wearing them. She beats herself up a little too much. <laughs> yeah. Um, like caffeine, I've totally eliminated caffeine. Mm. Found out that it's no bueno for my system. You metabolize caffeine very slowly. Yeah. And I'm yeah. a I'm a fast Me metabolizer. Too. So is he. I'm like a 30 minutes. He can tr- literally have a cup of coffee and fall asleep in 10 I'm minutes. I'm exact same like, way. I can have coffee before bed and it's not a problem. Yeah. yeah. Same with me. Yeah. yeah. Not me. Uh, yeah. No. <laughs> I can't have a quarter cup of coffee. It might like, actually help me fall asleep. It's like I peak real quick. Same and then, exact thing. There's something you found out about that, right? Like. So we yeah. do like some epigenetic testing stuff too that can dig into all that stuff. Okay. How much sleep you need, what your sleep patterns probably look like, how much carbs you should have. Maybe you shouldn't have carbs, all that stuff. It's, it's pretty, pretty yeah, cool Yeah, carbs stuff. affects my sleep pretty significantly. When I cut out all carbs and like sort of went to a ketogenic diet, I got great results for 50 days. And on day 51, for whatever reason, like my deep sleep just fell off a cliff. Wow. And it has to do with the, the carbs creating you know serotonin as a precursor for serotonin or whatever. And like I figured it all out, and ultimately I – brought some white rice back in and, and yep. some other carbs and my sleep went right back. Uh, Bex, you've done some other things too that are worth mentioning. So uh, just really simple things that have helped out a lot like earplug, the earplugs we use. Uh, it's a brand called Earpiece. They help out immensely. Yeah, it, the Earpiece, the eye masks. Yeah, the, the, um, and the specific the s- eye mask we use is a phenomenal, uh, I think it's called Sleep Master. Put a link to it in the show notes, Sean. It's uh it's a great eye mask. It, 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 and so you I, both sleep with earplugs and eye masks? Yes. See, like that's yeah. like for me, when I have our clients that are like, man, I'm not sleeping good, I don't ever even ask them that. Like, uh-huh. I don't do it. And I should. I yeah. should do ear. I'm terrible. I'm the worst pre bed person ever. Like, I watch the, I'll have like the news on before I go to bed <laughs> and like fall asleep to the news. So, like, I can't raise my hand to complain because I'm not doing what I should be doing. Uh huh to do yeah. it right yeah so we don't have a tv in the bedroom intentionally um we, we we try to avoid the blue light at night 
Um, Bex has the the blue blocker glasses, the the sleep mask, the earplugs. Um, those work really well. Blackout curtains Blackout are curtains. are really important for noise us. Machine. Oh yeah, we have a a white noise machine as mm-hmm. well, um, and that you know it creates that ambient sort of noise that. Um, but yeah, I will tell out. you guys this: for both of your blood works, I remember. I can say both. I, remember, I don't remember specifically for you, Joshua, but I remember. And I'm looking at uh, Rebecca's right now. Is both of your insulin-like growth factor ones are higher than average, which is usually a sign of getting quality deep sleep. Mm. Now we may be tired, but you may be. That just might be you. But there's yeah. some obviously things to do to try to to improve that. Um, but yeah, I know mine actually good. improved with uh, the testosterone. The the yeah. IGF one improved yeah, exactly. with, with with testosterone. And, but we'll see people that it's in the eighties, right? And and that's it's going to carry on throughout your body. You're going to have your worse skin, hair, those kind of things. You're and it, it's an indicator every time that they sleep bad. So I think based on hearing what you guys are doing, you're probably doing a lot of right things. Or just sometimes we still have a mind, yeah. right? And our mind is. Man, it can do what it wants to, and yeah. we have to controlling that. You know, whether it's meditation or just that—that's that's the other challenge too. Yeah. Is physically changing our environment, but really changing internally. That's the that's the tough part that we all have to be accountable for, yeah. right? That's and, actually where I've come back to recently. Cool. Is like we've done a lot of stuff. We've played around with hormones and whatnot, and I'm still like at the place where I really would like to sleep deeper more deeply more peacefully perhaps Mm -hmm. and it's become pretty obvious that what i really need to focus on is meditate the the internal stuff right Mm -hmm. meditation i'm going to be doing some daily slow yoga Mm -hmm. right things that are chill basically because i'm not very good at chill right Meaning, um, so I, I totally can equate. To yeah, that. yeah. <laughs> so, 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 Bex, I, I think that's a, a good point. Like bringing meditation back in to the top of mind, being being more focused on it, is, is something that can be done. It also might be that you know you just have trouble with deep sleep, and and it might it might be that this damn ring that's on our finger here, that's a sleep tracker. Um, I was talking to Chris Kelly about this. I've got to introduce you to Chris Kelly. He's he's a great Please. dude. He runs uh, Nourish Balance Thrive, um, which is a great company um, who does similar things to you, but with like gut health testing. Yeah. And, um, which is also super important. Very important, especially with all the stuff I've had going on. But um, I, it, may be, it may just be that tracking your sleep, for me, it's, it's helpful. It might be detrimental for you. And I've, I've come, like I've flirted with that line several times over the last what how long we've had these for four years something like that yeah, yeah. i even did that with my um i got it was i watches or whatever yeah. And, I, yeah and i'd see it and i'm like oh i didn't get that much sleep i was up for it. like i was like arguing with the data <laughs> uh-huh. i'm like who do you think you are i phone. <laughs> i know when i was awake or not all right yeah. you know, if you're done your wife or I'm like honey did you fall asleep she's like nope and i'm like you were snoring so um test results anything else stand out to you you want to talk about right now it it seems to me the missing piece at this point is sleep and if we can tweak that by the way we're talking about if we can make a uh a 20 percent increase uh, improvement in your overall sleep Mm -hmm. you'd be in a much better place around so we're not talking about your sleep habits or anything it's just while you while you're spending time in bed how do we improve that time yeah. that you're sleeping if we can if we can figure out that missing piece it seems like everything else is pretty much in place you know part of me too thinks it has some amount to do with how we live right and like especially here in and all of the emfs flying around and noise that can't you be can bleep out the neighborhood right control <laughs> thanks sorry sorry um yeah, like it just, it's loud. There's a lot going on. It's high energy. And that might just be part of it. Like, But environment's key. But I, I think you guys are addressing more than I would say the average person is. Yeah. Addressing. So like you have environment and then you can address things that you can do between you and the environment, right? The the glasses and the plugs and the Oh, she turns off the Wi-Fi at night too. She, that's another thing she does. <laughs> yeah. She's really sensitive to Wi-Fi. Uh. Yeah, I got. I know that's. I got a, a, a podcast I do regularly, and uh, that guy he he does that shuts the whole Wi-Fi in his house, and I don't. I, mean, I got the thing sitting next to my head. My it's terrible. Like I know these. Yeah. I know these things, and I, I really. I was even saying to our buddy Ben Greenfield. I was saying that I, that sleep is the one thing I really need to get 
on top of because yeah. I know it and I talk to smart people like you guys that are doing all these things I'm like geez I need to do that yeah. but I don't yeah. well, I just feel that there's just such a dramatic difference for me like when um, and this goes back to Chris Kelly and Rich Roll like when I sleep outside away from electricity away from Wi-Fi away from cell signals like because there's a lot of places in Montana that I go, I go camping and there's no cell service mm. right and I always you know, I might sleep six hours a night but i wake up and i'm like rested and alert and yeah. it's very different than how i i feel when i wake up and she also grew up on a farm in yeah. the middle mm-hmm. of minnesota and so there's something there we, we had rich roll on a couple of weeks ago and he lives in a really nice house out you know by calabasas or wherever but he sleeps in a tent outside every night really yeah That's awesome. his wife's is in the bed because like she likes it uh hot and he likes it cold and like so he just sleeps outside in a a nice Super tent. Cool. Yeah, yeah. But, <laughs> it's a little tent. But I think, but with your point, there's that sensory overload, right? Like, yeah, even though it's time to go to bed, you still dealt with the day here in an area that's, I mean, even me coming from Texas mm-hmm. to come out here, um, you know, the Houston area, it's still pretty like noisy is a, is a word to maybe describe this area. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so I can see where that can also, especially if you're comparing it to like Montana, where it's yeah. like home on the range type stuff. It's, yeah. Probably, I mean, I just, it sounds more peaceful just to, to be there. <laughs> it's cold and it Josh is isn't there. Cold. So yeah. it's not right. ideal. Right. Uh, we'll, we'll go over my results. My, mine are a little bit easier here. Like the two things that we really noticed was uh, my testosterone was on the lower side of normal. I think it was 520 maybe. And um, DHEA. Men, there's some, there's, with men, there's some other things we look at because there's a ratio that we've been looking at over the last four years which uh, is important when t- talking about testosterone. So the worst thing is we'll see guys that they, they're like, hey, I'm, here's my testosterone level. The only thing they looked at, right? Mm-hmm. It doesn't, it, it's a just a glimpse at the picture. So for you, for example, in your situation, your testosterone's at 520 average, mm-hmm. right? And so most physicians, most people would say, man, you're fine, that's okay. Yeah. But when we cruise down the list a little bit more and we see sex hormone binding globulin, that's high. Mm-hmm. And so what we're, we're seeing is that you have such a higher amount of sex hormone binding globulin that basically, I'm trying to explain, like it, it almost dilutes the testosterone reaching the androgen receptor, right? So it's like, it's like if you were gonna do a shot of vodka and you poured it in a 20 ounce glass, it's not really a shot of vodka anymore, right? It's, it might taste like bad water. So it's, yeah. it's what what we found and just you know we do a ton of data all this stuff is we're we're kind of a data company in the backside too uh we found that guys with high sex hormone binding globulin need higher testosterone levels yeah. so we found a cool sweet spot is right about that 20 to 1 range so if you're at 63 that you know that 1200 might be your sweet spot as mm-hmm. opposed to 500 right mm-hmm. and so we found that to be pretty close to rule of thumb right now we're and we're because we talk about it a lot and things like that we see other uh clinics and practitioners doing that too which is great we want to help figure that out because if you come to me we see guys of 700 testosterone 800 testosterone and their testosterone's not low for the the standard study here right but for their body specifically based on what they need based on androgen receptors and, and free testosterone and sex hormone binding globulin they have an issue, there's a problem, and yeah. we can correct that. And so we know how to correct that. We kind of have a unique way of doing it, and it works. And sometimes, actually, guys like you, it takes longer to normalize than a guy who has a normal sex hormone binding globulin that we just gotta throw some testosterone at. Yeah, and, and so one analogy you brought out was, you know, it, it's funny that when we start these tests and we see like 500 as being normal, right? But normal for what? Like I'm a 38-year-old man, but if you look at an optimal man who's, you know, if you look at LeBron James, I doubt his testosterone has ever been 500. No, like, yeah, I mean, you see like LeBron James coming out of high school, going into the NBA, that guy's like 2,000 testosterone, but no one checks it. Right. So no one checks their hormones until there's a problem. We actually started doing a thing with some young UFC fighters checking their testosterone early in their career so they can show like, hey, those five, six concussions I had, mm-hmm have likely led to injury stuff. And so we have friends, we'll work with people that have college age athletes that they just, you know, their dad's a client of ours, but they want to get their son checked just to like, hey, when this kid's a stud baseball player, what 
where was he, right? So that potentially if there's a down the road where things go, like petitioning for hormone optimization, right? Not like steroid doping. There's a big difference um, in that stuff. But having a good understanding of, because injury, all kinds of things can affect what our hormones might happen and what happened. Most people, it's well, they'll talk about just like, I don't know, one day it just, like you had that winter, like, I don't know, it just went, right? And sometimes there isn't a reason. Yeah. And so we started off with some testosterone and cream and did that for 60 days. Um, I've actually found my sleep suffered a little bit during that. And so we did two things. Uh, first off, we we because my DHEA was low, mm-hmm. we we did some DHEA and that helped out with my sleep. And then my testosterone on the follow-up test was a bit high. And so we backed off uh, by about a fourth there. So mm-hmm. we'll see where it is on the next test. I still feel pretty good um, with a little bit less testosterone than what we were doing before. Mm-hmm. And so I'll be fascinated to see what the, the test results show and if that good feeling continues you know, for the next several months before yeah, we do it, the next test. I think our most people stay with us a long time too, just because, you know, they've achieved a, like a new, a new groove that they want to be in. And also, you know, going into the lifestyle stuff, remember that you had, you were at COVID and it, remember when we first started, yeah. you're like, could this stuff be giving me a fever? And I'm like, no, that's man. what I thought. Cause when really? I first started, I didn't know that I started testosterone is this was like, uh, I don't know, maybe two weeks later I got COVID and I had a fever for like eight, maybe even 10 days. Cause I think I had it for a few days before I started taking my temperature, mm-hmm. but I, and I've never had a fever for eight or 10 right. days in my life, yeah. but that's what, and COVID wasn't this terrible thing for me. Like we were, neither one of us were bedridden. New. Yeah. It was like pretty new. Yeah. With, with the COVID thing. Type yeah. Thing. Yeah. And so like well, the fever, it was like hovering around 99, a hundred, right? Like yeah. It, yeah. The, got the a little most, higher a couple of times. The but most like, it ever got was just over 101. I think. Yeah. yeah. It wasn't and, an intense, but fever. didn't shut no. you down. No, not right. at all. Right. And, and so, I mean, I kept working, I was quarantined at home, but like, mm-hmm. and cause I didn't even know if it was COVID at the time, but, uh, of course, uh, I started this testosterone. I'm like, is this testosterone giving me a fever? Yeah. No, it, it had nothing to do with it. It was just a coincidence. But you just ne- but, but we entertain like, Hey, everybody's different. We have that belief, right? Yeah. There's a lot of people that you go to the, the physician or the clinic and, and they're like, no, you're just crazy. Like, what? no, man, we never know. Maybe there is something different. Yeah. But through conversation, we realized probably just some, some sort of viral thing going on. Right. right. Sure enough. Yeah. So, but, uh, yeah, I think the nice thing is we'll keep adjusting as necessary, yeah. but we're on a new plane right now. And, and yeah. if we can continue to make tweaks that improve something, especially with Bex's sleep. I think that's great. Also, um, you got me some BPC-157 for my gut because long-term listeners of the podcast know I've had all kinds of issues with these ulcers in my small intestine. And and, and so there are these different peptides that that we also have been talking about as well. Do you want to at least recap that a little bit? Yeah, so the the BPC-157 is it's a great peptide and we've had a ton of success with it it can help everything from like tendon ligament issues and damage uh, and that's usually done via sub q injection but we also have the bpc 157 it's 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 actually made naturally in the gut mm-hmm. okay and so you're taking you, yeah you take the pill and it that's goes into that pathway and we've had a lot of success with healing gut issues mm-hmm. especially if you're doing the right things like I, you know, we've talked about your diet and your regimen like you were super strict which is awesome and so guys like you see results yeah but if you're still pounding pizza and pasta like the yeah. things that are causing that massive inflammation Never. it's hard to heal it right? right and so our goal is to with a, something like a bpc 157 is help heal the gut right you know and there's just a ton of success a ton of studies on it we've seen it i've taken it for myself even with some gut issues and, uh-huh. and had a lot of success too i'm looking forward to that so i have it in my fridge right now i, I started this new uh medication for inflammation in, in the gut so uh, i'm giving that a couple of weeks because what i like about your approach is let's not throw seven drugs at something at once not drugs peptides yeah. and supplements and everything else because then you're like well what worked what, what didn't it, work yeah. well it's it's polypharmacy and that's one of the funny mm-hmm. things is that that there's no studies done on drug A and drug B together. Like right. you're, who knows, you know? And, and so we, we obviously have studies and know what the multiple, you know, drugs that might be needed or medications that are needed and hormone therapy. Cause that's what we do. And, you know, like I said, that having that approach of 
speaking to you, like, how are you feeling? Yeah. What's going on? Tell me about things. Are you exercising? Are you motivated? Are you like, and looking at the blood work to say, okay, look, it backs it up, you right. know? And so that really is the approach that's necessary to have and reach like that balanced hormones. Otherwise, you know, there's people that try stuff and they're like, oh, it didn't work for me. Well, what was your approach? You know, what, what were you measuring? What were you looking at? Things like that. And so we try to really have that good balanced one. And here's the other thing to think about is in five years, what you guys need may be different than today, right? right? Mm-hmm. So we we always tweak. I will say that people that have been with us for, you know, five, six, seven years, we, they've, we've almost empowered them to like really know their body so well that they might be like, Hey Adam, I got a feeling X, Y, Z is off. Can we check it? And they're right, mm-hmm. which is awesome yeah. because it's like, wow, we've helped them kind of learn because they're listening to our content or speaking to our guys or stand they're They're following the process. And mm-hmm. uh, that's, that's really cool when that happens. Beautiful. Uh, let's talk about a few things here. Um, we've talked about diet. We've talked about sleep. We've talked about exercise to a great extent. Now, you you said you can overexercise, and you and and that will have a detrimental effect to your hormones, right? Yeah. I would assume the opposite is also true. If someone is living a sediment a sedentary lifestyle, then they are uh, also negatively affecting their hormones. Well, something that's really interesting on that track is I was actually just explaining this at dinner last night that if you let's take a weekend, right? Let's say this weekend you're hanging out, you're kind of drinking beers, eating hot dogs and pizza and not sexually active and you're not, you're totally sedentary, like not, not exercising, not doing anything like that. And then we check your testosterone, right? Monday morning. Right. Compared to have a weekend where you're eating clean, having sex every day, your exercise got up every morning, uh, you know, and, and maybe red book, like whatever, just any th- positive things, your testosterone will be significantly higher through that right so that like i said earlier that we talked about like the guy that's drinking six beers a night eating fast food every day 40 pounds overweight hasn't worked out since college needs tony robbins he needs someone to motivate him to get off his behind to Mm -hmm. go do it the guys that are motivated that find there's like a gap now we try to help fill that gap yeah right yeah so um let's talk about sunlight because that's one of these free medicines. All of these are free medicines, diet and sleep, improving these areas. Uh, it's like getting a, a free prescription in a way. Yeah. And and sunlight is something we don't think about, although the vast majority of people in America are vitamin D deficient. And we, we saw this with a lot of the, the COVID stuff that's mm-hmm. going on. The people who are in the hospital with severe COVID symptoms, I think it was 84% of them are... Uh, vitamin D deficient, yeah. right? Now, it could be that COVID causes vitamin D deficiency. That seems less likely than, well, if you have suboptimal amounts of, uh, of vitamin D because you're getting not enough sunlight or you're not supplementing appropriately, then you're more likely to get sick. It, it's a it's bad for your immune system. Yeah, and it goes back to it, genetically, right? So we have to understand genetically we have dispositions, right? That's the way the cards were, were dealt. For me personally, I should be on a vitamin D supplement. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a decent absorber from the sun, but not as great of absorber from a gut. And I'm also low in vitamin K1. So mm-hmm. I have to take a D3 supplement with K1, right? And so learning those things and, and then it's vastly improved my energy mm-hmm. levels, right? And so, yeah, that's something that we definitely check. And I got some. I'm out here in this LA weather and I got a little bit of that free vitamin D yesterday, except yeah. by the pool. I took a little, forced myself. I hate laying out. It's like, <laughs> uh, it, but I was like nosy. So I'd like lay out in the sun and like watch everybody. So that, that was it passed the time. People watching. Yeah. It's good. It's great. People watching. Yeah. So I got some vitamin D yesterday and it's super helpful, but yeah, we look at that uh, pretty often. And Bex, you, you notice this as well with uh, Montana and, and there's 10 months of gray winter there. Um, you, you, you mentioned the, the, seasonal affective disorder mm-hmm. a lot of that has to do with lack of sunlight for sure yeah and vitamin d status right yeah the last few years since i've paid a lot more attention to vitamin d and done supplementation especially in the winter um it's been better which is why this last winter was so alarming it's like i'm taking the vitamin d k1 mm-hmm. like or k2 uh it shouldn't be this shouldn't be happening mm. the, the lovers that i'd pulled before we're no longer working. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And that's, I like that because it's, 
if people can equate to that, what you just said is they're pulling the same levers they've always been pulling to mm-hmm. solve the problem and the problem's not being solved, yeah. right? Yeah. But then you're addressing gut. Are you eating, sleeping, exercise, like those kind of things. And then when they are, most of the people we talk to, they're like, check, 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 check. And have you had your hormones looked at? Nope, never. All right. Well, that seems like the rational place to start. <laughs> right. And uh, and usually we're find a solution. Yeah. 93% of people, or I'm sorry, people spend 93% of their time indoors in America. And that, that to me is, that, that, that's the glaring stat of why we're vitamin D deficient. There are other reasons as well. Like my brother's black and he lives in Ohio. Like it's pretty hard, even if he stays outside in the sun, it's hard. He, there's not a whole bunch of sun in, in Dayton, Ohio, right? And so um, he just, it's harder for him to get the necessary vitamin D. And so, you know, I'm like sending him vitamin D supplements and, and, and trying to encourage him to, you know, to, to take them because it's probably best to get it from the sun, but it's better to supplement than to not have any vitamin D. Yeah. That's we just about everybody's vitamin D deficient. Yeah. You know, we just see across the board, unless somebody's like adamant about supplementation, then they're up there where they should be. Right. Yeah. The couple of people, Rhonda Patrick and didn't you say Rich? Rich Roll. Rich Roll. Yeah. Like both of them, I, Rhonda not so much, but like Rich is super tan. He's out in the sun, the Cal, the Southern California sun all the time mm-hmm. doing his running and training and stuff. And he still supplements with vitamin D. Yeah. And same with Rhonda. Because genetically, you may not be a good absorber of vitamin D through the sun. And so mm-hmm. we do some of that stuff, like I said, with the epigenetic testing where it goes through and talks about all these different things that, like for me personally, vitamin E is not good. Mm-hmm. So, but everybody would say, oh, you need to take vitamin E. But if I take it, it's actually more, it's more of a toxic effect that can mm-hmm. make me feel bad, right? Wow. So some of that stuff is pretty cool. Yeah, we you can do some stuff. I got a, a tremendous guy I can, uh, bring you through with and if you have like a 23 and me if you ever did that or yeah, you do did. it they yeah, take like the raw Mm-mm. you can take the raw data and just he plugs it through this thing get an awesome like pdf printout of foods and it it's really cool it was really oh, wow. yeah. and, and for me it was it was actually it was nice to know because i you know i'm a, a lab rat on myself yeah. i have been for 20 something years in this space and so everything from nutrition and training and sleep and it was cool as I know a lot about what works best for me. Like keto doesn't work for me as much as like having 150 grams of like, you know, complex carbs, like a white rice. Like, like you, you're talking mm-hmm. about adding the white rice back in, you felt better. Same thing for me, right? And that test showed me all these things. It said if I eat too much vegetables, for example, like I just don't do well. Yeah. And and there's like a cysteine levels that change, but that could be different for her. So if it's like, oh, you got to be vegan or you got to do it. Like, well, hold on. It might not be best for you literally based on your dna yeah. you know yeah. Yeah. so exploring that's I'd important love to do that that'd be really good i haven't done any genetic testing we'll take a look at it um one last thing before we get into our surprise questions uh, i thought we'd talk about acne skin health hair health because one thing i it was un, it was a surprising result is i felt like i already had my skin was already nice but like like I already felt good about my, my complexion and, and, and my skin. But when I started adjusting some of the hormones, I, I noticed uh, maybe like a 10 to 20% improvement hmm. uh, when when I started testosterone. Often you think of the opposite, right? right. But I think that's because uh, we confuse you know hormone abuse with hormone supplementation. Yeah. yeah, it's just like we need this water right here on the table to survive, but you can also drown in water, uh, right? Yeah. And so the... Yeah, or we think of like puberty of, you know, hormones and acne and all that stuff. Like that's a part of a phase. But yeah, it hormones improve your skin. Mm-hmm. There's a big, big correlation. I'm glad to hear you say that because it's it's something that, and often as guys, I pay attention to it, but we don't pay attention to it as much as women. But like I don't want to look old. Mm-hmm. I wanna I want everyone to think that I am younger than I actually am. Yeah. Right. And so that's gonna be has part to do with skin and then hair as well. I mean, your hair can be thicker, healthier, and, and things like that, stronger yeah. through optimal hormones as well. You notice anything, Bax? <laughs> I've removed what I noticed. <laughs> what do you mean? Remember the mustache? Oh. <laughs> Let's talk about it. <laughs> so so you were doing too much testosterone. Ah, uh, we think. Yeah, yeah. We probably just, probably a short amount of time for yeah. that to happen. But what, what, what I know you and I talked about a little bit is certain things, you know, can change the the coloration of the hair, but that can be age, that can yeah. be sunlight. sunlight. We talked about, yeah, like sun, this the actual sun on the skin can actually help make 
the skin or hair typically goes lighter, mm-hmm. but there's just some cases where the tips actually get even mm-hmm. dar- darker. So yeah. there yeah. can be. And I've had that happen before. It happened after I was pregnant with Ella. I had oh, some wow. weird like skin discoloration, and I think hair that, discoloration, right? Well, skin and hair. Okay. Yeah, there's a weird. Uh, I don't remember what it's called, um, but a skin change that happens right around like the end of pregnancy and like postpartum Mm. Um, but it generally goes away but it looks like you know patches of just like darker skin generally okay Mm -hmm. yeah because like you said too earlier abuse anything in too much too high doses and things like that can be bad usually when you think of women that you know, if we were to look up pictures of women that probably abuse testosterone, you're thinking like the female bodybuilders. Yeah. I mean, they're literally taking more testosterone than our male, like, testosterone therapy guys would it's take. It's so funny to me when I see, like, Instagram has become this bastion of, of for whatever reason, my searches always show up with, like, uh, yeah, I'll take some more water. Thank you. With uh, female bodybuilders. And like they'll 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 get peppered into there, and what I what I see is I'm like, oh, they're they have more muscles than I will ever have, and like it's not even the ones who are like super steroided out. There's just some like CrossFit women even who just just training and like building muscle, like that's a greater focus in their life than it is for you in your life, for sure, right? And and and, and, it's clear to me that they're on you know some some higher level of testosterone that I'm on as well. And there are there are long-term negative effects if you're if you're abusing. Uh, yeah, and we so we sometimes get a lot of women that are maybe in that 50s range that were abusing stuff and the the fitness stuff and they're a, kind of a train wreck to fix. Like, you know, when we kind of talk to younger women that are pursuing that stuff, just advising them like, "Hey, listen, you're going to be 51 eventually. And like, this isn't, and some of them, you know, don't, but yeah, it's same with guys. So like long-term heavy abuse of that stuff, mm-hmm. a is going to guarantee you need a, a clinic like ours to help you because mm-hmm. you're going to wreck all your natural stuff. Uh, but it's just kind of, is it worth it all? You know, like, and it, it, it can be a bad road to go down yeah. for yeah. sure. We got some surprise questions here. You want to check out Susan's question, Bex? Yes. Susan says, my hormones just up and left the building about 12 years ago. I'm dead set against hormone replacement therapy. Do I need more education on the subject in order to fairly weigh the pros and cons? Yeah, I think that for Susan, I would say, let's get blood work done. Let's take a look. Let's stop guessing and start testing, right? right. And in the path of letting her know that sometimes there's more natural approaches that can be done. Mm-hmm. And we always try to pursue that. Most of the time, by the time people reach us, they've they've tried a few things, right? Mm-hmm. And and we'll do that and say, hey, let's come back in 90 days, try that, and let's see if there's no change and you're still like shrugging your shoulders, let's try this other thing, right? Mm-hmm. And so I think for her, to, yeah, education is probably just learning and talking to somebody who she doesn't talk to, like a clinic like ours. We're not, you know, we, we don't do traditional medicine, quote unquote, but um, we do what we've been doing, which is hormone optimization, and we do a great job at it. We have a different approach. And so talking to someone that does something different may lead you down a path that you haven't gone down, right? Right, right. If you if, if she's been dead set against hormone replacement therapy, that's probably the lane she's been in, right? Is like, mm. this is how I've thought for a long time, perhaps because I don't know the history of hormone replacements. Maybe my mom had yeah. this and this and this and had, did something that like we would never do. We yeah. don't put any women on estrogen. Yeah. And that blows people away. We never put any women on estrogen, wow. definitely not men. Because we see the amount of, the estrogen usually goes where it should go after you know in, in introducing testosterone and just mm-hmm. doing it right. Mm-hmm. So that's something too where hormones for women introducing estrogen can sometimes be a bad thing. And that yeah. could be, you know, hormones is a big picture. It's one of the first things we said when we when we started talking was all these symptoms, all this stuff, all these things can all still fall under hormones, right? Right, right. Especially with like peri or postmenopausal women, mm-hmm. like that's a big, it's a totally different picture. And that twelve years ago, did she have a kid? Right, like what did her? Did she have birth and you know give birth and her hormones left the building? Then yeah. we see that yeah. often too. Mm-hmm. You know, postpartum can be right. a game changer. Who yeah. you were. So just some something to think about, I think, for women is like all the different pieces of your life cycle 
um, and how they probably are affecting your hormones at different points in time, right? So if you were a college athlete and like you were saying, maybe got a concussion mm-hmm. or, um, you know, had a had a kid in your 20s or a kid in your 30s or several, yeah. <laughs> right? Um, and then later on, you know, your, your perimenopause, your um, the menopause and then post. I would always guess in a situation like that, if their testosterone or their hormones left the building that it's their testosterone that left the their testosterone shut the lights out mm. everything else is probably still there and it's just for women that's the last place anyone ever looks yeah, yeah. and it really should be the first do you know anything about what what happens with female hormones during menopause like does I don't. I'm coming yeah, at this so it from just, a well, total. It, it overall, just there's a depletion, right? And of as, all of them, of generally? all of them, is okay. generally what we see. But what can happen is there can be certain things environmentally that cause spikes in estrogen. Mm-hmm. It's like one of my really good friends, 40s, and her husband is a good friend of mine. He's like, dude, something's not right. And she even was like, I don't know what it is. I can't be happy. Yeah. Like Oof. we could win a millions of dollars, and I'm still just you know. And so I was like, well. Let's take a look. Let's see what's hormones. And, you know, the good sex life, like fit, beautiful woman, right? And you would never think has a problem. Mm-hmm. And But we look, her estrogen was the same as for someone who's like on in vitro, mm-hmm. right? So somehow her estrogen levels are, her body, it's telling her body, hey, we're trying to have babies. And her body's like, no, we're not. Mm-hmm. We're not. We're not doing that. that I'm not. There's no conception. There's nothing going. So that causes major distress in your body, and so we address that. And actually, in her situation, we put her on a, a low dose uh, anti-estrogen, dropped mm-hmm. estrogen down, and it was like the clouds parted, the birds were chirping again. And I think after about six months of that, she just went off it, and she's been off it ever since. And that was probably oh, you know a year and a half or so nice. ago. It's like a reset. Nice. Yes, that's the cool thing with women is that you can reset stuff. With men, it's like we're we're pretty heavy testosterone driven Mm -hmm. and you're not going to get your testosterone to produce naturally like it did in your 20s and your 50s it's just it's not going to happen right but if you want to feel that way you need to optimize with testosterone to do that you can supplement appropriately without abusing it a hundred percent yeah and that's why like we do cream i mean we have people that do injections too for men not women really but um for men but cream is the healthiest way Mm -hmm. it's a good way to control it right like you said we dropped a quarter of your dough. You know, mm-hmm. we changed, we just tweaked that a little bit and it actually matters, right? Yeah. And so I, I think if if I read Susan's question here, the thing that really stands out to me is I'm dead set against hormone replacement therapy. Whenever I hear something that I'm dead set against something, I have to ask myself why. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it could be that there's a preconceived notion or it could just be like, I'm afraid of needles. Well, good news is you probably don't need needles for anything, Tons right? Tons of times we have that conversation. Uh, like, I can put a cream on and I'm like, yeah. They're like, oh, I thought I had to go get pellets you know, injected yeah. in my butt for three months. Like, no, well, we don't yeah. do that. So yeah. there's, it's just lack of maybe in, in the education mm-hmm. of options, uh-huh. right, that are out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and it could be any number of things that you have this prejudice that actually is not a, a valid reason to not explore it, right? And so I think the good place to be would, would be to get tested to see. And also in that testing, reassess, are there any changes you can make that would positively affect your hormones without doing any sort of uh, replacement therapy For as well. Sure. Yeah. yeah, and especially with someone who up front states that approach, we're like, hey, you you paid for the blood work and the consultation, we're gonna do that. And right. if you wanna move forward with uh, some other plan that we decide, that's up to you too, yeah. you know? And I think something to point out too with the blood work is <clears throat> most people get their blood work done and the doctor's like, yep, yeah, yeah, normal, pretty normal, everything's pretty good. Or maybe your uh, cholesterol's a little high, stop yeah. eating whatever, cheeseburgers. And, that when we go through your blood work, we're like going through your story. Where I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, your glucose. How often do you eat sugar? When's the last time you had sugar? Would you like the fruit? Like we kind of go through that hydration, you know, liver enzymes, cholesterol, obviously hormones, and then you know different blood levels and things like that because we want to dig, flip some stones over, maybe right. Yeah. That, and maybe that stone has nothing to do with your hormones. It has something to do with a, a lifestyle aspect that's showing up in your blood work that we can help you correct. And then you're like, oh, I had a, we had a guy one time. He was drink. He drank a lot of Coke Zero. Okay. <laughs> and it, it was affecting his energy, and his alkal was his alkaline phosphatase was always low. <clears throat> and I'll never forget this because every time I talk to me, like brings it back up. But and we just <clears throat> we pulled that out. We're like, take that out. It seemed totally random. 
Sure enough, that changed. His energy changed. It was just there's something about that that was affecting the aspartame Garbage. or whatever. Yeah, it was just affecting his body, right? It, yeah. You had a story about a guy who uh, ate almonds. <clears throat> it was screwing yeah. something up. Tell me about this. Yeah, so we had a guy that uh, his just his estrogen levels were like 300. So for a guy, that's pretty high. For a woman, that's up there in like the healthier part of your cycle type mm-hmm. thing. Um, and he was a really knowledgeable guy. He was like, man, I don't know. Why he wasn't on testosterone? A lot of times testosterone can aromatize and convert to estrogen, but to get up to three hundred is pretty high. And also, uh, so well, anyway, we went through this this lifestyle stuff, and and finally we got to even smoking pot. So like smoking marijuana, we're out in California, smoking marijuana boosts um, estrogen levels, mm-hmm. right? And we in see men it. And women? Oh yeah, yeah, oh. for sure. I never forget this woman. Uh, she's probably like late fifties. She lives out here in California, and we were trying to figure out. And I was like, "You smoke weed?" And she was like. Yeah, and I was like, I, I don't. And I was like, that's probably it. And I was like, but the cool thing is, now we know why estrogen's high. Like, yeah. it, it wasn't she wasn't getting um, side effects from it, but it just showed up on her blood work, right? And right. so, and she's like, well, I'm, I'm not going to quit smoking weed. I was like, well, keep go ahead, you know, <laughs> whatever makes you happy. And so, yeah, but with this guy, uh, he had he would eat almonds all day, like that was his snack on his desk, and the almonds almonds can convert to estrogen in your body. Now, not necessarily to the estradiol levels. But it can create, like legumes in general can mm-hmm. convert, it can aromatize and do that. But even um, different things in our environment, lotions and shampoos right. and all these different things, there's so much stuff that attacks our endocrine system, which mm-hmm. is a lot of the biggest reasons why we actually have hormone deficiencies earlier than we should is just environmental stuff. Mm-hmm. Food, I mean, this all the soy that's in our food, mm-hmm. soy is a big uh, converter into estrogen and things like that, which is affecting like young boys and puberty and all kinds of stuff. Women blossoming, you know, I mean, there's a 15 year old girl that looks like she's 22, mm-hmm. you know, and, and it, some of that can be part of that too. Do you generally recommend backing off or eliminating soy for clients? Oh yeah. Soy, soy like is the devil. Don't eat it. Stay away. <laughs> yeah, we, don't, we don't, we just don't like, we, yeah, it's just for us. That's it's, we've never seen it from our perspective as like a good thing. Yeah. But I know yeah. like if you're, you know, vegan or vegetarian, it's a, it's potentially a part of like your, right. what you do. And, but and definitely then, it more for be a staple. Yeah. And more even for men. So like, like my son's not allowed to have soy milk, you know, mm-hmm. and he wouldn't, I don't think he'd drink it anyway, but, um, or it, like, <laughs> Ella won't touch it with a 10 foot pole. Right. Like they'll, they'll, they'll like some edamame sometimes or something right, like that. But, yeah. but, but limiting it like anything is, is good. Cause yeah. estrogen is good. Estrogen is healthy. You know, we need estrogen in our body for our bones and we need it. There, there's, there's so many things, heart health, there's cardiovascular health. There's no estrogen is bad. Mm-hmm. Right. Too much estrogen is bad, right? Mm-hmm. So having that balance and we, yeah. we discover that through testing. Nice. Let's, uh, speaking of vegans, we have a question from plant-based vegan. Bex? Oh, I'm going to read it? Cool. How does intermittent fasting affect one's hormones? That's good. And it's a good question. And I'll say intermittent fasting is a huge health game changer. And some things that we don't understand is so IGF-1 levels, growth hormone levels in our body, we want healthy high levels. Too high might mean there's a like a pituitary issue, but mm-hmm. uh, we want healthy levels. So growth hormone helps all the recovery at a cellular level, right? So the hair, skin, nails type stuff we talked about, but muscles and, and getting fat to be used as energy and things like that, like all the things we want. Mm-hmm. And when you have sugar, you spike your insulin, and you shut down your growth hormone. So if you wake up in the morning and you do a little sugar in your coffee, you just shut it off because your mm-hmm. growth hormone levels come, you know, they happen at night while you're sleeping and they're st- kind of stay through that in the morning and then like after a workout or something like that. So like even right after you work out, immediately adding some sort of sugar, especially like a, a, a more of a sugar base and a complex carb to your, can shut down that growth hormone mm-hmm. and change it. So it is a hormone. It doesn't, necessarily affect testosterone i think that we see like people that actually like eat more meat products uh that have higher testosterone than than vegetarian based diets Mm -hmm. um but intermittent fasting for sure can is is huge it can just help a lot of stuff thyroid balance all all sorts of stuff Mm -hmm. i have read um that for women especially like female athletes that exercising while fasted can cause cortisol to just jack through the roof for sure you're creating a bigger stress response yeah yeah so i think for women in particular especially with respect to the cycles um there might be a a cause for paying a little bit more attention and not 
exercising fasted, especially during certain parts of your cycle. Um, I'm trying to think of the physician or the PhD researcher that has that stuff. Um, Stacy Sims. She's a, a female researcher, only looks at women's cycles and performance and things like that. Um, so if you're curious about that plant-based vegan, um, Stacy Sims might be a, a good secondary resource. Mm. Yeah. Our friend Randy Kay, a former podcast guest, by the way. Yes. She uh, She has a question. I guess this is public now. She's asking this question publicly, huh? It is public. Oh, wow. Okay. Go ahead, Bex. Oh, good. Uh, what's the best way to manage mental health and hormones during pregnancy and postpartum? Yeah. I mean, the the real answer is I'm probably not the guy for the answer to that. It's probably just, there's, there's, <laughs> there's a ton of amazing women that are just crushing that game. And mm-hmm. I think that they're, they're good with that. But I'll, uh, some things that we've seen, I'll tell you that we've seen that increased testosterone in women during pregnancy will likely lead to a boy and the opposite. <laughs> yeah. The opposite of lower testosterone, higher estrogen in women. Um, and, and we've actually seen their studies that uh, we actually talked about on a different show about having, you know, uh, having sex, uh, male and female and regularly during pregnancy can increase the opportunity or the odds of a boy like that's just it can it, there's something about having sex boosting the female's testosterone while being because boosting testosterone for it, it goes up in women for sex too mm-hmm. um and it, there's there's some it, it can i guess change it can affect um boy or girl cool i i want to add something for randy um I think one of the things that women struggle with, especially during pregnancy and postpartum, is blood sugar control. Um, And so if you fall into that category or think you might fall into that category, uh, there's a RD. Her name is Lily Nichols. She's a registered dietitian, and she is an expert on pregnancy and pregnancy nutrition. She's an advocate for low-carb or very low-carb diet, sort of ancestral eating. Um, and her latest book, she has a book on gestational diabetes that's excellent. Um, but the one that I'm obsessed with is Real Food for Pregnancy. Mm, and it's yeah. fantastic. And I think that um, while I haven't worked with a ton of women during pregnancy and postpartum, um, I have seen that if you can keep your blood sugar under control um, and therefore your insulin or your um, your insulin levels, that there are a lot of outcomes with the pregnancy, both for mom and baby that are are much better. Absolutely. Let's talk about Megan's question here. Which bi- which birth control is best for our hormones? Now, uh, we've already talked about birth control a little bit and how uh, being on hormonal birth control can be detrimental uh, to a woman's long-term health, especially if they go off. It can, as, as Bex uh, noticed, it wrecked her testosterone level potentially. Um, but Bex, you have um, an IUD. Yes. And do you want to talk about your experience with that at all? Because that, that has worked out really well for you. Not saying it would necessarily work well for, for everyone, yeah. but um, the results are in. You haven't gotten pregnant, although we've practiced a lot. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> it's done its job, thankfully. Um, yeah, so, I, I mean, I, again, I am by no means a, a hormone expert of any kind, um, especially not women's hormones, although I am a woman. Um, Mm-hmm. I verified it. Yes. Verified. <laughs> um, so I think that y- you really need to find a good OBG plan and talk to them about your your lifestyle, your concerns, your plans or plans for pregnancy, whether or not that includes actually getting pregnant, right? If, mm-hmm. if you're in your 20s and you never want to have children, that's a very different conversation that you should be having with your OB and then someone who's like yeah i want to get pregnant in six months right right so like determining whether or not you actually want to get pregnant when you might want to get pregnant if you want to at all um that will determine what type of birth control you should probably choose i did um very a couple different versions of just the oral contraceptive when i was young and then did that for about probably 12 or 13 years, went off it for several years. Um, And then after having my daughter, Ella, um, five years ago, I got a copper IUD, which is a non-hormonal IUD, and I love it. 
made my periods a little bit heavier for one day. Mm-hmm. Um, and early on, it was a little crampier, mm-hmm. but that's it. And I like that it's not hormonal. It lasts for 10 years. I don't even know it's there. So. Yeah, and I think on that, just from a, a guy, but an outsider in the space is to, is to find someone who's flexible on treatment, meaning yeah. don't find the doctor that's got one way they treat everybody because that's not going to be a good idea. You want somebody that's going to have the conversation and talk about what, because different different birth control, just like anything, works different for everybody. Absolutely. And I think even my wife just had, like, she she did the shot, which could take forever, one month coming off that thing. Mm-hmm. Of, we had our son, we're, we're pregnant. But, you know, that's not the case for everybody, right? right. So. Yeah, if you show up a doctor and they treat you like you're a Toyota, and they're like, "Well, yes, you have to make sure you change the spark plugs," and you're like, "Well, yeah. it's it's not this it's not the same in every no. human being. We're we're not automobiles." That is so why I got in the space was because yeah. it's not it's yeah. not custom medicine, you know. For and so yeah, I think that finding someone that's flexible of really finding the path that right, works best for the individuals is the, mm-hmm. is the best way. Yeah, there's a woman um, that I follow her work she's an ob in san francisco i believe her name is dr sarah gottfried so she's a great resource for all things women's health everyone you've mentioned i've seen sean writing them down so i believe they will end up in the show notes when we wrap this up uh, before we wrap it up adam let's talk about your book real quick better than the binge so um you didn't have a devastating story of, of alcohol ruining your life but it wasn't optimizing your life either yeah, the, the, kind of the 30,000-foot view is my, my dad was an alcoholic, though. So I grew up in a household that, of alcohol abuse and eventually what led him to leave. And you would think, you know, somebody who was like, well, if my dad left because of alcohol, alcohol must be a bad thing. But, you know, as you get into high school and drinking and I was worked in nightclubs and all that stuff. So it's just like what we did. It was like social, right? And, and it, I never really looked at it as a problem because – that's what my circle was doing, right? And so I, I, my dad actually passed away in uh, September 2015. And there's a part of me that always said that when my dad passes away, maybe that would be my excuse to like drink because it, it, it just didn't serve me. And, wow. But I was like too stressed. I was like, not, now's not the time. And, and so fast forward a year, it was coming up on the anniversary of my father passing away. When I look back, it was coming off the summer. We lived in Michigan, lived on the lakes. We're always like hanging out in the boat, drinking beer, like you know. And by the end of the summer, you're like you're kind of like sick of yourself. <laughs> and it was so. It was like right after was it uh, Labor Day? Is yeah. is that yeah? Right after Labor Day, I was like I'm done after that. I'm gonna take I'm gonna take a break, right? A little detox. And a lot of like friends in the lake all did too. And so I got 30 days, and I was like, whoa! I went to Vegas conventions and like dodged the whole social interaction of drinking. I was like, whoa. Went, you know, October, did some stuff with the NFL teams and traveling, just had a lot of these social interactions that I navigated without drinking. So got through Thanksgiving, 90 days, and I was like, I'm never going to drink again. I just, I saw things differently than I did before. I felt so much better. I was sleeping better. I, my anxiety was like nothing compared to what it always was that I thought having that night, nighttime cocktail or a couple glasses of wine took away. But I also didn't want to like shove it down everyone's throat and preach to them. So I was, I, you know, Tucker Max is. I reached out to him. And I was like, man, I, I want to write a book, and he helped me write this book. Okay. Uh, yeah, he's nice. got a company. They changed the name. It, it used to be Book in a Box out of Austin. Um, he's got a book called I Hope They Serve Beer in Hell, which was funny because he's like, our books are very similar or different. And but he's like, I, I love the idea. So he <laughs> helped me write the book. And it just tells a story, a little bit about if you think you have a bad relationship with alcohol read through the book. It can help you potentially identify a bad relationship and then just how to navigate those social experiences so that you can remove it from your life. So it doesn't become an obstacle or like something that can be detrimental to your future. You had a similar, uh, story with alcohol when we first met, like there was, you were always very responsible, responsible alcohol consumer, Mm -hmm. but also I think over time you realized that it wasn't serving you. Yeah, and it was harming, actually. Yeah. I think because of the way that my nervous system is wired, like alcohol initially is a good, like it mutes things and mellows things out. Um, But then, like you mentioned a while ago, um, it actually amplifies it in the long run. Yeah. Right? So it makes your sleep worse. um, 
and then it eventually amplifies it, which especially if you combine it with things like caffeine, (laughs) it creates this roller coaster of like need and like a, an urge to have the drink to calm you down, even if it's a totally reasonable, moderate amount. And then you sleep like crap, you wake up exhausted, you need caffeine to get you back up a little bit, but then you're back up, at least in my case, and your body's all wired and you need something to bring you back down. So I just kind of like took both ends of that off the spectrum. Like I quit drinking caffeine and I quit drinking alcohol. What it does is it forces you to deal with you, right? Mm. Because at the end of the day, when you, I, I found that was one of the biggest things that after 90 days of not drinking, I was like, I was solving problems. Like I saw the answer crazy fast. It was like, like you said, like a limitless movie. Like I had some special pill. I mean, it was so noticeable and being a guy, you know, I have multiple businesses and like, I love building businesses and solving problems. Like that's my wheelhouse. It doing that and thinking I was really good at it, removing alcohol and realizing how much better I am and how bad I was at it. You know, in the sense of just seeing things so quickly, like the synopsis in my brain was so fast, uh, stuff like that. But I think the anxiety thing is you're right. We have that drink and it kind of makes you, stop caring about some of those nagging things, but they're still there. And when you fall asleep and that alcohol kind of wears off, your subconscious is like, oh yeah, what about that paper that's due? Or, oh, what about that deadline you have at the office? And also way louder. Yeah. And uh, so you just learn to deal with those and make some rules and figure out what's going to help to solve those problems without alcohol. Yeah. Sean, let's put a link to Adam's book, Better Than the Binge, in, in the show notes. And I just want to thank, thank you both you. for being here. Yeah. It was a pleasure. Thank Thanks. you for having me. Absolutely. Thanks for helping us. Yes, that's, indeed. That's you can pleasure. check out Beck's uh, minimalwellness.com. Adam Lamb, you can find him and, and everything he does over at renewliferx.com. Links to both of those will be in the show notes. Appreciate you both. Thank you. Thank you. All right, y'all. Love people use things. The Minimalists. <laughs>